it's time to share your story. Welcome to Revealing Conversations with Patron Nicole. Heart-led discussions that reveal, release, and unveil. You will leave this hour lighter, brighter, and inspired. And now, here's Patron Nicole. Good morning, everybody, and happy Tuesday once again. You have uh, reached our Block Talk radio show, Revealing Conversations with Petra. I'm actually in Roseburg, Oregon today. Um, we have a place down here on the river, and it's been pretty fun today to listen to all the animal noises that are around us and remind us uh, that we need to be closer to nature. And um, it's been a marvelous uh, full moon for those of you that had a chance to enjoy it. Uh, I think it was called the super moon and it really lit up the sky here last night because it was quite bright still. So it's, uh, it's such a journey that we're on in this life. And for some of us, it's a struggle right now. And I've been as of late hearing some stories from people about struggling financially and struggling in relationships. And I always have to bring it back to the sense of how we participate and how we create our own reality and how when we don't dance or when we don't play with certain things, I always call it, you know, I'm in my movie because I'm the director of my own movie. So what sort of a movie script do I really want to write? So tonight at 5 o'clock, I'm doing the uh, Seven Insights again on the webinar, and you're certainly welcome to join us. And the subject this evening is partnership. And I I love uh, talking about the third insight on partnership and how important it is and how much we need each other whether you're in a relationship or, or with friends or in a circle of friends that help each other out, especially as we grow older, I have found that my friends are the key to much of my joy in my life. So when I can put together a dinner party or just invite people over to hang out and watch a movie, it doesn't have to be an elaborate thing, but we need to become... Uh, I think some of us are too isolated with social media and so forth, and I I see this with young people as well, where they sit in a room and play video games and talk to each other via their phone, but there is no real physical interaction. And so I'm all about putting together gatherings of people and having fires and sitting around the fire and playing actual music on a piano or a guitar and singing and, and having that human exchange. And it seems, to be coming, it seems to become more and more difficult for people in the cities. So that's my thought this morning, you guys. But I have a very special person with me on the other line today, and his name is Will Schneider. And because I'm German, I can say that really well. So maybe he was pronouncing it Schneider, and I don't even know. But I'm going to call it Schneider. He is the author of Lucifer's Game, and I met Will via the Internet, hallelujah, Facebook. And Will is a full-time writer living in the wine country of Sonoma County, north of San Francisco, an adventurer at heart and naturally drawn to the edge of things. 
His current passion is kayaking along the wild Pacific coast. Will has equally experienced the call to explore and push the boundaries of his inner world, having spent decades immersed in the study of various metaphysical traditions. 35 years of deep training from a variety of exceptional spiritual teachings has allowed him to develop a wide-ranging platform of knowledge and understanding regarding the human inner landscape and our potential range of consciousness. Lucifer's Game is an intriguing metaphysical novel that explores the ebb and flow between the light and the shadow within us all. Well, welcome, Mr. Will Schneider. Am I pronouncing your name correctly, Will? Yeah, hi, Petra. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. Yeah. Good. So well, thank, you, uh, thank you so much for inviting me onto your really cool show. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and, and to have a chance to uh, connect with you. And, and um, here we are. Well, so I am. I, I read your book, and I absolutely love it. And we had a chance to have a conversation yesterday for the first time. So, tell me a little bit more about your adventurous spirit, Will. I, I would love to know about your background a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, uh, my history has been. It's kind of what you said in the intro there, where. I've always been had this adventuresome streak, you know, and because I was everyone's gifted in certain ways, I was always really athletic. And so I ended up gravitating to really kind of edgy sporting directions like um, you know, mountain climbing and uh, river kayaking and and then ultimately uh, you know, kayaking along the wild coastline and um, just feel so alive, you know, when I'm doing that. But at the same time, I've had that same kind of excited pushing of my, not just my physical boundaries, but my inner world. I got to see that, you know, there's there's kind of a a shell that my little ego self stays within, and outside of that shell is this whole other world that opens up and so you know i discovered that early on and my life on a spiritual level metaphysical level has just been pushing my boundaries exploring uh trying to thin out that shell and and discover more and be in contact on a deeper level with my true nature which is something altogether different Mm -hmm. so did you grow up uh, near San Francisco, is that where you were raised, Will? Uh, no, I was a Midwestern kid. Um, I had an oh. interesting childhood where my mother was from Paris. Uh, she was a war bride. My father swept her off her feet during the liberation of Paris, uh, during the World War II, and brought her home. And so I had this Parisian mother growing up in the middle of the Midwest, you know. <laughs> so it was, like, very strange and kind of cool, you know. So I had that European uh, influence, and she, she came from a very sophisticated family. So we got, you know, we got a really interesting upbringing of 
being in the solid sort of staid Midwest and at the same time having this Parisian mother who was very uh, artistic and quite someone in her own right. So how did you, so how did your mother handle living in the Midwest? Did she have uh, moments of breakdown? <laughs> I'll tell you, to her credit, she wasn't a complainer, but it wasn't until I actually went to Paris the first time and I, I traveled around France, I got it, what she gave up. And, uh, you know, just my heart went out to her, you know, to have left all of that and come to, uh, you know, I mean, America is a wonderful place. Some parts of it more wonderful than others, perhaps, but it's Mm -hmm. not Paris. And, but she just made the best of it, you know, she just, yeah, she was a glass, still around and she's a kind of a glass half full kind of person and just made Mm -hmm. the best of it. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I was born in Munich and lived mm. in Paris and London, so I have my moments where I uh, dream about living there part-time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's still my European cup again, you know. So it's Absolutely. <laughs> So, so maybe maybe uh, you need to take her back to Paris once a year or something. <laughs> I would love to do that, you know. And uh, I have this plan of doing like a a two, a two week trip, one where I devote to to her, you know, and drive her around to all the places she'd love to see and the family members, and then a week for myself, you know, me and a friend just go off and have an adventure. <laughs> so, <laughs> Be, be so, the good so, son, you know, and yet have a, a, a chance to have my own time. So, <laughs> I remember the first time I arrived in Paris, I took a bus from Munich overnight and showed up in Paris the next morning. I fell asleep on the bus, and I couldn't believe it, the difference between Munich and Paris. And I, I was staying in a place near uh, Zacher-Cœur, and I would walk up to the to the cathedral mm. every day. Yes. And they have one of the most amazing organs in there. I mean, that that organ is is so fantastic. And I remember lighting a candle for my uh, grandfather and my mother who passed away. And and it was quite quite an experience for me living in Paris with all the artists. And I went to the juice bar before juice bars were even famous. They already had a juice bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Anyway, I I have many beautiful memories about Paris. So yeah. So Will, so let's talk about your book because your book uh, it's it's um, very much it it really strikes home for me that book Mm. because I've always investigated the shadow personality, you know, and I've always felt uh, studying Wilhelm Reich and I studied psychology for four years. I always knew that in my own classes and with my students that if people don't get in touch with their shadow personality, you know, they're really running a danger really of being taken over by anything catastrophic that might happen to them. And so yes. it's really good to uh, investigate that within our psyche and not just in our own psyche, but our whole country's psyche. So right. can you uh, speak a little bit about the shadow within our psyche and what are the <clears throat> characteristics and does really everyone have a shadow? Yeah. So, um, good question. 
Um, I, I guess I would start by saying that uh, my book, Lucifer's Game, it, it's a novel. Um, it's, it's not like a self-help book on the shadow. I decided to tell a story and weave the, the point I was trying to make and the knowledge I was trying to impart in a tale. You know, so that the reader could follow along, go on the journey and extract from it like you, you know, you can follow another character going through things and then gain whatever you want from from, you know, that experience. So, um, yeah, the shadow, you know, uh, the, the reason that I wrote Lucifer's Game is that. I decided about three years ago, I had this strong feeling to offer something back. And uh, I've been gaining knowledge and information like most everyone, you know, who's on any kind of path but for a long, long time. And I just had this strong thing of like, get, you know, put something together and offer it back. And so I decided to choose the shadow uh, because what I've seen in my, on my own path, Petra, and on so many others that you know we there's a weakness in in the spiritual journey and this is just my own take but um it's that as a spiritual person you know most everyone listening today i'm sure considers themselves that i know we all do and there's a natural tendency which is perfectly normal to lean to the light right to so yes, I'm 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 a loving person. I'm kind. I have integrity. I'm generous. Uh, great. Those are wonderful spiritual qualities to, to continue to develop and engender. But what about that whole side of myself I'm not proud of, right? And um, all that, all those aspects of my nature that are not quote spiritual to say the least and so what i what i do and what we all do is we take those parts of ourselves and they're shoved down into our unconscious we we keep a lid on it and so we bask in the light and we deny this whole other side of ourselves and the the problem being that you know it we're not only it's like i'm kidding myself when i'm doing that if i'm really interested in evolving I need to mm-hmm. be in a state of balance, right? And so mm-hmm. I decided to then generate a story that explores that, you know, uh, where a spiritual guy meets Lucifer, who in my story has no religious connotations, but he's the champion of our shadow side. And he's taken, you know, he's challenged into seeing that side of himself, and then Lucifer tries to lure him in onto his side of things, and, and then it's the dance between the light and the shadow and the tension between the two. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I very much uh, relate to that. I remember I was uh, studying with an East Indian teacher for 11 years, yeah. and and I had to be on the one side of the light, and so the shadow part of it, was not really embraced in fear of, oh, my God, what if it takes over? Because that's the part we're trying to get away from is the shadow. We're trying to live in the light all the time. And then one day when I left and moved on from that path of the masters, 
I moved to Mexico. I physically moved somewhere else. And I became a workshop and seminar leader for, for mediums and psychics in Mexico for a couple of years. And one woman who was um, a channel for um, St. Francis of Assisi, she oh. said to me something very important that stuck with me. She said, Petra, you have to love your humanness as much as your divinity. Yes. That was the key. That, exactly. And the 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 important point is that we are both, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If we're just just uh, acknowledging our divine side uh, and, and not really owning our humanness, what that does is it creates this split. And, and therein lies, you know, the, the uncon- all our unconscious and our conscious. And, and you, you were talking about the fear of ta- the shadow taking over. Well, guess what? If we ignore our shadow side, and th- and pretend you know out of sight out of mind, like it's out of sight maybe, but it's not out of our psyche. And what mm-hmm. happens is that the shadow will explode into someone's life, and just unannounced at times, and just and blow up someone's life. You know we can see mm-hmm. it in the in so many spiritual teachers, uh, very evolved beings that that are incredibly developed and they get halfway up the mountain and they have these disastrous falls from grace. Well, why? In my view, and I've studied it, it's because of the lack of, of work and attention and development in, in acknowledging the dark side of ourselves, the, the shadow side and integrating that part of it. And so the shadow comes up, and takes over, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. That's the danger of not of ignoring it. Yeah, and you know, and I I was a witness to that. I was really just uh, 23 years old when I embarked on the journey with the uh, masters of the East, and mm. lived in an ashram, and I'd see everybody trying so hard to be so mm. perfect and so enlightened. <laughs> And right. then you see people just completely losing it. <laughs> yes. See, that's it. Right. So there was really, you know, I was always so happy when people were losing it. Like we had this cook in the kitchen right. who one day was smashing all the sprout jars because <laughs> somebody complained about the sprouts being slimy, and he just completely lost it. And I yeah, said, oh, this exactly. is so healthy, you know. And for somebody like me that loves the shadow in people, yep. I I can I just so uh, my work is always about bringing the shadow out and helping people look at it and become right. friends with the shadow rather than the enemy right. of the shadow. Yes, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. so much value in what you're saying and 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 guiding people in that process because the shadow has so much energy connected with it. And, you know, all these traits, in my book, Lucifer calls all the traits that, that he sort of nurtures and keeps cooking in our unconscious that we are disowning, shadowlings. And so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but each of these shadowlings, you know, are, are, are jealousy, for example, or our, 
our greed, you know, or our, you know, hatred, you know, all of these, for every light-filled quality, there's a shadow counterpart, right? And so mm-hmm. each one of those shadow counterparts is, is loaded with power and energy. And, mm-hmm. you know, keeping a lid on it all is just this powerhouse that, you know, it's like a powder keg. And by by being guided in with kindness and a heartful sense of forgiveness and inclusiveness and inviting those parts of ourselves out slowly uh, in a in a place where they're not going to be judged, we can start to integrate and release that energy in a way that can actually be helpful to us. Like each shadow mm-hmm. quality has a, has a gift to offer. And 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 that's the part uh, that I love in your book where you you are such an amazing writer and the way that you weave these stories in and out, you know, I just love that you did this in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very good book. I, I uh, advise all of you guys out there, everybody listening to this show today, I'm interviewing Will Schneider, uh, the author of Lucifer's Game, and this is a book worthwhile reading. It's on Amazon, and I will post uh, the link today. So, Will, um, knowing that the shadow contains positive qualities, of course, Mm -hmm. so when sometimes people have maybe had such a traumatic experience, like if we're dealing with PTSD, uh, you know, with people that are coming back from Afghanistan and so forth, and then they're suddenly isolating themselves from the family because the shadow is now out of control. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they could hurt someone or they're depressed and, and, and take their own life. I mean, this is, a, this is a, such a, a, a big study of, of really taking people and, and, and engaging them in working through uh, some of the uh, shadow personalities that can that can potentially take someone over to the point where they are so out of control and cannot calm down. And we've seen this many yeah. times, you know. I mean, right. So can you, can you speak on that a little bit? Well, you know, I, I would say this. Um, my perspective, Petra, is I'm coming from the perspective of uh, uh, people who are – it, it's quite an evolution to have a healthy ego, just to have a healthy, natural, you know, egoic structure is no small thing. And, and that's a wonderful, it's wonderful to be a human with an ego, right? Uh, but in a sense, we're only half baked in that our, our deeper nature is waiting to be discovered, right? So my, my, message really and the reason I wrote the book it's it's designed for people who who have a basic solid structure and and that I'm not so much about answers I'm more about inquiry generating hey look at myself you know look where do, do I have a shadow where is it you know what's in there that kind of thing like questioning uh, people who, that you're mentioning that are really I I'm not someone, I'm a work in progress myself. I don't make any claims to any kind of enlightenment. 
but I would say that people who have a shadow side that's really overcoming them, that it's, it's so important to get in the right hands, you know, to get into in with a good psychologist or or excellent guide. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to the shadow, I think a guiding is really important because you're dealing with the unconscious, right? It's unconscious mm-hmm. for a reason because you don't want people don't want we don't want to see those sides of ourselves. So it's very it takes a certain kind of grace and strength and courage to to go in that area. It's so easy to talk about. Oh, let's talk about you know my my big heart, my my honesty, my sense of generosity. I can talk about that all day. But what about my greed, right? What about my the part of me that the lying streak in me or the hostility that's buried in there? That kind of stuff. No, you know, it's not easy. And so it really, you know, guidance is is a is, a, is an important factor. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what is uh, what what exactly is the collective shadow? So, um, the way I've come to understand it, this is a an amazingly strange time to be looking at the collective shadow because what it is, as I understand it, it's okay. So we each have our own individual light side and shadow side the degree to which we're aware of our shadow that's what we're talking about today right the -hmm. collective shadow is the like taking america for example our country has a collective shadow that is it's the it's the shadow side of the nation and uh and and just like we do on the personal level the, we we bury the shadow side of our collective of our of our national shadow gets buried. So what's in our national shadow, for example? Well, look at some of the things. Look at our history. Look at what we did to the Native Americans. Right, the Europeans came over back in the 1600s, 1700s. They came pouring over. And they wanted this land, the New World, right? Well, it wasn't the New World to the Native Americans. It was their home. But we wanted what they had and justified it in any which way and pushed them out and out and out and, and, and then stuck them on little reservations. So, or look at, the, uh, uh, look at what happened to the, uh, the, the black race, right? How did they get here? Slave ships went to their land and grabbed them out of their villages, chained them, brought them over, right? That's another part of our shadow, right, that we don't want to look at. So right now we have a – this whole election cycle has generated – it's like the whole collective shadow. I don't want to get political or, or insult any of your listeners, but there – there's just let's put it this way there's just been this stirring up of the collective shadow where the the racism is bubbling up to the surface the the hatreds you know the uh misogynies you know the uh all these shadow qualities that america the wonderful america the free you know that's our light side 
you know, is that we're now seeing the underbelly of our country is coming up. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, in a way, it might end up being a good thing in the sense that it, it can come up for air and, 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 get, and, and, and be dispelled in some way. Or it could take mm-hmm. another direction and it, it just could run rampant. You know, it just depends on, on the leadership. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, Does that like, answer your uh, question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's like ebb and flow. I I feel that we go through cycles. And yes. I mean, America, you know, 55 million, I heard this the other day, uh, 55 million Native American Indians lost their lives. And that puts it really in perspective for me, because when I think about the Holocaust, you know, and 12 yeah. million Six million yeah. Jews and six million undesirables, including Germans, that were killed. But 55 million Native American yeah. Indians had to give up their lives for right. this to happen. And, you know, it's all a cycle. And so then I have to go to the next level and ask the question, okay, so what is this a journey that we call the human journey here on this earth? What is it all about? Yeah. You know, we live, you know, 70 to 100 years. Some of us live just a tiny bit longer. We take ourselves really seriously. <laughs> we seem Indeed. to be here forever. <laughs> we prepare <laughs> as if we are immortal. We live like right. we're immortal. And yeah. so one day it dawns on us, oh, my God, I'm getting old and I might be dying. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, my spiritual teacher used to love to tell the story about Alexander the Great who had conquered all the worlds, and he was such a fierce warrior. And then one day he got sick, and he called in his uh, cabinet, you know, and he called in all the wise men in the land and, and told them, you know, this can't be happening. I'm Alexander the Great. I'm not supposed to die, you know, yeah. and, and that's impossible for me. Right. And they said, well, the story about you are leaving the planet, you are dying. And so he ordered that they take his casket with his hands and feet hanging out to the marketplace so that the population could see that even Alexander the Great is not taking anything with him to the afterworld. Oh. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I always loved that story because, yeah. you know. You should have told we, that to the pharaohs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But that's fascinating, yeah. So I I love that piece, uh, uh, just the reminder of living a more simple life where we have less greed and less desire and the journey about becoming more desireless and really playing more with nature and finding joy and happiness through nature and through, you know, the people that are present in our lives and and appreciation, gratitude, humility, you know. So what I see is in the fanaticism uh, arena that's been haunting America as of later, maybe forever, I don't know, but there's a lot of fanaticism and it's always dangerous. Yeah. Whenever you have fanatic people, you have uh, you have a division, yeah. and it's it's just a young country that yep. is growing that has to learn tolerance. And God. you know, I mean, it's not really been a very long time, and you have so many nationalities here in the United States. So yeah. <laughs> I 
they've been doing pretty good so far, but now we you know <laughs> everything's up on the on the plate to for us to all look at. You know, all the yeah, the, the rosy times are over, and everything's out there now to see for the That's rest right. of the world. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah, isn't it interesting about fanatics? You know, how it can take like. It, it it can take, for example, all the great religions that each, if you look at the source of each of the true ancient religions, the great ones, there was an enlightened being that that sparked the, you know, the, that was the origin of this religion that uh, mm-hmm. that then became you know, something else. And uh, that uh, sometimes I wonder if just taking Christianity, for example, if if Christ could see what the fanatics have done with his simple, beautiful, enlightened teaching <laughs> and turned it into God knows what, you know, uh, mm-hmm. You know, and 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 thus it becomes uh, a danger onto itself. It's become its own opposite, you know. And and that could be mm-hmm. said about uh, many of the other religions. Look at you know Muhammad, this incredibly wise, beautiful, enlightened being. And and so there is you know th- there's the beautiful teaching of Islam in the Sufi tradition. You know the m- real metaphysical mm-hmm. side of Islam. And then there's the fanatics, right, that have taken it, turned it into its own opposite. So, yeah, and that's all shadow stuff, you know. It's the shadow side of the religion is what's coming up. And that's a, that's a great example of what I'm talking about and what happens when, when it's unexplored and it just takes over and twists things, you know, and becomes something else. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's so easy uh, to uh, blame an entire population for uh, for actions right. that really are just respond that just a few people are responsible for. Yeah, and that's the media. You know, yeah. the media yeah. can take mm-hmm. a tiny group of, you know, ISIS is a good example. You know, there there's like a small handful of fanatics, but you pour the media yeah. on them and they become this world power you know? so mm-hmm. you know yeah it's, it's, all out of balance. it's, it's quite ex- extraordinary so um i think you know much of it comes down to fear and and yeah. you write about that in your book as well is that yes. you know we we are all so really when when we dig back down let's go back to the um, emotion because uh, with my work with emotional energy therapy, what I always tell people, you know, between the age of zero to seven, you're pretty much like a sponge that just yeah. absorbs everything from your parents and whoever's raising you. You are right. uh, you are bringing into your body whatever is in their energy field or in the human aura. So whatever yep. the story was from generations of what your parents took from their parents and their parents yep. and many, many, many hundreds of years back, you will carry that within your own body system. And so what I do is uh, guided meditation to see where in the body the blockages are 
Because we, if someone says to a little three-year-old, you know, over and over, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, then, mm-hmm. of course, a little three-year-old eventually is going to stuff this somewhere as, you know, in the liver or the kidneys or the heart and not yeah. feel good enough. And then That's that right. mass of energy, that grayness within the aura will then create their reality outwardly because now yeah. they believe I'm not good enough, so then that projects out into the universe this frame or this this uh, auric field where it then attracts the pictures in life that prove to that person that they're not good enough. Right. Self-affirming yeah. in so, a weird kind of way. Yeah. It's self-fulfilling because we're projecting that with, which is within us in our feelings of unworthiness or fear and so that's how we have created the current leadership in the United States. Right. It's a collective consciousness that has created this movie. So I always say to people, are you ready to get out of the movie? If you don't like your movie, step out of the movie. Let's take a look and find out where you're being blocked or what sort of paradigm was yeah. entering you that isn't really yours because at the core... We're yeah. all just souls and humans, and all we want is love. Yeah. <laughs> I love that expression. In fact, my uh, main character, Jackson, in my story, uh, he describes that to Lucifer where, uh, you know, he, he's aware of that fact. He, he actually calls it that, that, you know, when you look at the life of the, the ego, when you look at the ego experience, again, which is a wonderful place, but if you study the consciousness of, uh, of the ego, it's all based on our history. You know, I, I'm Will. I know myself because my history tells me who I am. I wake up in the morning and my history tells me, you know, I'm not confused. I know who I am. All my, all my memories tell me that, right? But also my life is just becomes this, it's, it's all a movie, of who I think I am, who I take myself to be, who I take others to be, all of that is all this familiarity, right? Based up and and so uh, and so in a way, it, it all kind of makes sense. But from another perspective, it's an illusion. Well, why is it an illusion? And and when? It's when we step out of the movie. When I step out of who I take myself to be, this historical me with all that familiarity, and I actually shift my consciousness into a presence, an awakeness that's awake right here in this moment, and it's like my eyes kind of open and my my eyes become like windows that I'm suddenly there's a presence looking out of there's an awareness that permeates I'm suddenly in my body grounded to the earth well that self that me that I has nothing to do with my historical me my old familiar me and and that's stepping out of the movie and it takes real courage because it's like, well, who am I? Woo, you know, it can be scary. But it's like the opening, it's like the portal to a whole different reality if we can do that, if we can step out of the movie and overcome the fear that comes with feeling that openness, that emptiness or whatever it is, that nakedness, you know, of, of 
it's all because it's all fresh you know it has nothing to do with history and it's a being it's a presence and it's an aliveness and and to gravitate to that and trust it and and be and and love that state to me mm-hmm. that's one of the great discoveries of my life that my true nature is through that portal yeah same here same here and that's why i love the movie the matrix yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, and I have a, a part in my book where I say, you know, you either swallow the blue pill or the red pill. You know, one <laughs> pill will keep you in your current life, and the other one, right. uh, you know, you will never go back. And so, when yeah. you embark on that journey of uh, identifying yourself as soul, learning to be uh, who you really are as soul, not as body, mind. And and right. these external facades of the character and, and history, yeah, yeah. Right. So and and for for people like your mom who came from Paris, she had to reinvent herself, and I did too yeah. because I couldn't stay within my Bavarian German paradigm. I lost everything, right. and I, you know, I had literally the rug pulled from out from under me with my identity of who I was as a child, with parents yeah. who had a business and all that kind of stuff, and. So when my mother died, everything sort of came crashing down. As said, who, and I asked the question, who am I? Right. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? So so you described that so beautifully uh, with your transformation of you found out and you had this glimpse into who is Will Schneider, really? Right. That's right. And, And both are true. You know, that's the interesting thing. It's not that my familiar egoic self isn't real. It just mm-hmm. is, it's just a different dimension. It's like that's the third dimensional experience. And all the while, it's, it's that little me is surrounded by a field of alive beingness. You know, my true I that can hold my little me and also be its expanded awakeness at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would call it being a drop of the ocean of, exactly. of all that is. So being the drop yeah. of the ocean of the golden light, of the Christ light, the Buddha light, whatever you want to call it, you know, right. the feeling um, I, am, I am part of that in which um, I had this real Buddhist experience one day where, I had an awakening, and a leaf fell on my foot, and oh. the leaf had this golden aura, and then it mm. emerged. It, it came into my body, and and completely this golden aura came over mm. my whole entire body, and mm. I felt enveloped suddenly by the trees and by the leaf and by yes. the river and by all of it, and it all became this oneness. And remember right. that movie, Lucy? Did you see that movie, Lucy, Will, where that girl had to carry these um, these pills? They, they kidnapped her, and, and they put these... Um, uh, this packets of medicine in her stomach and it burst and she became 100% conscious. Oh, wow. When it, no, it, I'd love to so see if that. If you haven't seen that movie, you got to see that tonight and tell me what you think. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, became, she became super conscious mm. and merged with the universe and with all that is. Yes. <laughs> and it was so fascinating because people that uh, meditate a lot or, you know, the, the masters, 
enlightened people have had these experiences, like you described yes. earlier, and then these mini enlightenment moments where we realize I'm on the river in my kayak, but suddenly I am the river. I right. become the river. The river right. is me. I am in the river, and the river, you are in the river. So it's just, it's just right. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now who am I, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that is awesome. And what I try to describe in Lucifer's game is Jackson's describing uh, what you're what you're talking about, where he his exploration in consciousness is that he describes it as the third, the fourth, and the fifth dimension. And the third dimension is a regular egoic state. The fourth dimension in this matrix is presence. It's like stepping out of that you know, with our consciousness is scattered hither to yon and there's no one home, to suddenly being awake. And then the fifth Mm -hmm. dimension is when that personal awakeness realizes that we're completely swimming in a cosmic, uh, that the whole universe is awake and, and alive. And that that drop of the individual awakeness can then, become the ocean it just exactly as you described it you know that's so well put <laughs> well i had to i had to do a lot of work uh to get close to the field uh, the desire was there to yeah. Yeah. uh to to not be under the uh rule of ego identity so right. I asked the question, how how do I become mindless? How do I control my mind mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. does not control me? And yes. I wanted to reach, uh, you know, that that blissful state, that enlightened state. And yes. and it's not that it happens very often. And in the moments when it does, it's usually in nature. So yes, same for I, me. But I know what it is. <laughs> you, what? you know what it is for me? why I love nature so much on a, on a spiritual level. Of course, it's beautiful, right? So I'm always attracted to that. But what I discovered is that what attracts my deeper nature, my deeper nature to the beauty of nature, is that everything in nature is being 100% authentically itself. You look at a squirrel, you know, it's completely 100% authentically squirrel. It's not confused. It's not trying to be a woodchuck, right? Uh, a tree it, in and of itself, it's, it's everything you look at, everything you're immersed in is being completely itself. And that, that calls to that part of me. Can I be standing in that level of authenticity in my 100% true nature? And then who is that in me? Mm-hmm. And and so now we are at the at the threshold of something so big for the United States of yes. coming into another evolution. So we have a choice. We can either grow from it and all become more loving and kind to one another and more tolerant or we can become divided. Right. We have that choice. And so whatever happens next, it's going to be Lucifer's game. <laughs> <laughs> he, and Lucifer, you know, 
the, he's going to he's going to be trying to create as much mischief as possible, right? So the key yep. is can we turn the tables on Lucifer at his own game, right? Yeah, yeah. So and the only way we can do that is like you said is by shining light on our darkness, on our dark side with kindness, forgiveness, compassion. And we can balance out our inner life in particular, thus for our nation in general. So we have have an opportunity because in the end, uh, love always wins out because that's the only way we can survive as a species if we're in the field of love and golden light which yes. is the Christ light, the Buddha light, and you mentioned mm-hmm. Mohammed, you know. So I, I feel um, that we're all moving forward because it's, you know, God uh, creates this universe and our planet is a very small part of that, a very yeah. tiny, tiny speck of it. And mm-hmm. ultimately it all has to flow back to oneness. Yes. So, so that's yeah. it. So. Yeah. I am just so excited that I found you out there, Will, and that it was an absolutely fortuitous moment to meet you on Facebook. Yeah. So thank you uh, for friending me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you're not just a delightful person. I really get your depth and range and how much you want to help others, you know, and that's, that is a beautiful thing. Oh, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today, and uh, I hope that I get to meet you in person soon. Yeah, let's and do that. That'd come up great. to Oregon and do some kayaking up here, Will. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> and I want to just thank and, your listeners. You know, I hope it was interesting for them. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that I'm going to get a lot of calls today uh, uh, for people who have had a chance to listen to this conversation this was really fun. The 40 minutes just flew by or 50 minutes. Soon. I couldn't believe it. When I looked at the clock, I said, what? It can't be already 29 minutes. We just started yeah. talking. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of good energy floating around out there today. And uh, for those of you uh, who are still trying to get on the show tonight at 5 o'clock uh, for the seven insights, the secret to quantum transformation, We're working on the third insight tonight, and that is the insight of partnership. Please go to the website, to the Facebook page, and sign up for it, and I'll send you the workbook. And it's complimentary. I just would love for people to join in. And I am so grateful that I get a chance to interview interesting people like Will Schneider on my show and I hope that it sells millions and millions of copies and, and gets translated into every language on the planet. So we really need to understand this more. And I wish you all a glorious day. Talk to you next Tuesday, and enjoy your life. Ciao, ciao.